Welcome to Nicosia Uncut. In this episode, we discuss how the mainstream understanding embraces and justifies the xenophobic and racist statements and actions locally, but rush to criticize them when they take place elsewhere globally. In this episode, we also discussed crossings and the latest developments. the episode of Nicosia Uncut uh, with uh, Kemal and Andromachi. Hello, Andromachi. Hello, Kemal. Uh, we are going through interesting times, both locally as well as in the world, uh, with uh, the anti-racism demonstrations that we see taking place all across the planet for different reasons in each country. But it is interesting to see this sort of accumulation of, of, of anger and of reaction against the long-standing, um, against long-standing racist practices and rhetoric all across the world. Uh, in the US, we, we have seen it with the uh, Murdered by policemen, uh, as that was documented on uh, on on social media of George Floyd, and locally we have seen it in the Republic of Cyprus uh, through the escalation, let's say, of anti-migration and xenophobic sort of rhetoric by the local authorities against migrants. But I think something something has triggered the last march. I mean, something has happened. We followed it on social media, but we don't really, un- we really didn't understand. I mean, um, from the other side of the divide, what has really happened? Yes, you, know, you see, it's, it, it is interesting. And just to give a bit of context, on, on Sunday, 31st of May, even, in the, even amidst the coronavirus sort of restrictive measures, one of the biggest marches that have taken place in, in Cyprus in the recent years took place. It was an anti-racism demonstration. It was a demonstration that was in support of the refugees and asylum seekers that are currently sort of locked in the Purnara's uh, camp reception center in, uh, in the Republic of Cyprus. And as you said, it was a reaction basically to an escalation in anti-migration and anti-refugee uh, rhetoric that we have been seeing uh, by the local authorities, and you know, and and that has been that has basically intensified on social media as well and on the media as well. And it was a reaction of people, and the amount of people that were present, it really made one see that the, the constant anti-refugees uh, statements that are dominating the press and the media uh, by the local authorities, they really sparked a reaction by people. The problem, I think, is that when these kind of narratives uh, become part of the mainstream narrative, then it's a problem. Um, you know, um, everywhere in the world, in the past, today, and also probably in the future, we'll be able to see such narratives coming, popping up every now and then. The problem is when these narratives and those values and those excuses become a part of a greater narrative that dominates the society, then it's a major problem. Yes, and you know, I mean, especially for a country like Cyprus that has suffered so much in the past, it is kind of very, it is very striking to see this rhetoric used by local authorities. And you know, we have seen an escalation in in anti-migration um, rhetoric, and there is this, this rise of in xenophobia. And 
the reason why here today, Nicosia and Kat, we are linking it to what is happening in the in the U.S. with the George Floyd demonstrations is that whilst the media in the country are so keen on presenting what is taking place in the U.S. and they are presenting it through an anti-racism and an anti-xenophobic um, uh, lens, when it comes to looking inwards and to thinking about what happens in our country and to reflecting us to our practices and to reflecting us to our uh, sort of normalization of racism in our society, we, we lag behind. And it is as if whilst we are ready to criticize uh, racism abroad, we are not ready to trace it in our country. The problem, of course, is to be able to, to to make it, to understand the connection with our lives, with our countries, with our cultures, and uh, with the rest of the world. This is what happens when you don't really mean it when you are defending human rights or when you are really trying to um, embrace certain values. We have seen a similar case also in the north. There was this attack on a mosque in, uh, the, in the Greek Cypriot community in, uh, near Limassol, I think. And um, there were, of course, many reactions. But what I find it interesting and being uh, hopeful is how many Turkish Cypriots came up and said, and admitted that the mistakes that we have committed um, to the sacred places and the churches which were desecrated after 1974, some of them were looted, some of them were just left to the mercy of the time. And then people started to say, especially youngsters, say that, look, yes, we are against any attack on, on any religious place anywhere in the world. That means that we are also against attacking and vandalizing the mosque in Limassol. But look what we have done over the, the course of the years. So some people, again, of course, argued whether it is okay to compare them or not, but it's not the matter of comparison. It's the matter of being principles, embracing the values, but also being self-critical. I think it is very valuable that each and every uh, member of the community start criticizing their own community first before really uh, start uh, accusing and then criticizing the, the others. That was really one of the most sort of hopeful aspects of what we have been going through uh, in the country lately. And, uh, you know, it was it was very interesting to see how in our criticism of, of the attack against the mosque, which we must admit that in the Greek Cypriot community, it was overwhelming. I mean, it was criticized, the attack against against the mosque was uh, indeed criticized. However, there was not this sort of uh, reflection as to whether the, this escalation in, anti, uh, in, in xenophobic uh, rhetoric that we have been seeing, whether this was actually a trigger to this action. It is as if, uh, you know, when you, hear, um, your, uh, when you hear your politicians and your government constantly uh, hitting upon the fact that uh, there's going to be a demographic alteration in our country, these sort of reactions are to be expected. And uh, it was very interesting to see what you say about the Turkish Cypriot community. And it is a hopeful aspect that allows us to believe that, you know, we can hope for the embracing of universal values that uh, we will all embrace without criticizing them through the lens of our community, but criticizing them through the lens of this um, universal stance. And what you said about, uh, you know, starting with criticizing 
our community first is really for me the epitome of, of, of patriotism and we often get patriotism wrong because we often think that being patriotic means not, uh, you know thinking that everything that our country does is, uh, is correct. However, actually the, the basic premise of patriotism is for us to be standing behind those ideas that we want our country to be uh, representing and to be defending those ideas and the practice of those ideals by our society. And, you know, this reaction that we see against what happens in the Purnara Reception Center in the South uh, is really a reaction against basically ignoring international law and ignoring our interna the international conventions to which we are tied. And patriotism should be all about calling for our country and for our governments to be embracing those conventions that we st uh, behind which we stand. And this is what that demonstration on Sunday, for instance, uh, was all about. I find it interesting that many definitions or statements or positions which are globally condemned, especially, let's say, um, in the European Union, are sometimes being embraced or being employed or being used in Cyprus without really realizing and understanding the context behind it. I was so amazed when somebody was trying to defend, I think it was some official who tried to defend um, the, the, the nationalistic position of himself by saying that if this is racism, I'm racist. I understand what that he's trying to put his ideals on uh, in front, but you, you just don't say, you cannot say I'm racist. You, it, is, it is not acceptable. Actually, I, I agree with you here. And you know, we are at this sort of paradoxical moment in which we are ready as a society uh, to collectively condemn, let's say, what happened uh, during the Nazi era or to condemn the Holocaust and to condemn, uh, you know, this, these instances in, in human history in which these horrible crimes happened. However, we are not ready to attempt to trace those human behaviors that actually led to these uh, tragic events. We are not ready to trace them in our own societies and to pinpoint them from the beginning so that they do not become greater and so that they do not become the demon that will then demonize the society. And it is interesting to see how we are, it is as if we are compartmentalizing uh, issues and we put them in boxes and we are ready to castigate the Nazi era, but we are not ready to trace those human behaviors that are all about xenophobia, all about nationalism, all about racism that actually led to the acceptance of what was happening at the time. The best thing you can do for your country is to criticize it. You need to be self-critical. This is the best, the first, most important pillar of your patriotism, if it's important for you, because it would really take you to a better place. This is progress. Otherwise, you are not doing good for your own um, community. This is why I am quite hopeful. I find it a patriotic duty as a Turkish Cypriot to accept the mistakes or our own community first before criticizing the others. It is important that I see the reaction when I am um, self-critical. I find it more um, place and acceptance and more um, awareness 
by the both communities, especially when I, for, for example, talk about the the commits we have crimed after 74, um, you know, when and then humanitarian um, aspects of it, when we desecrated the churches, when we um, did not object our neighbors being dragged out their houses so that they can go to the southern part of the divide. All these things I think we need to reconsider. I understand that we have been through a, a, you know difficult times there was a war uh, some people call it liberation for for the international community for many of us it is invasion but at the end of the day unless we learn from it and then understand what's going on around us in cyprus there is no way we can go forward and this is the most important um, job um, duty for our country exactly and uh, we we must be ready to you know stand up and defend what you say because today in the era of social media we are so i mean we see it all the time i mean people being attacked for raising differing view and people being attacked for for basically saying what you just said and we should all as humans be ready to defend this stance and to be clear about the need for this approach for the well-being of, of, of our society and for humanity in total. Yeah, I mean, how can you progress as, as humans if we are not ready to, to criticize our past and our present and the our current selves, basically. Um, so this is this is why it sometimes it is sometimes very disheartening to see how, especially the Greek Cypriot media, treat this sort of uh, discourse. And it is so sad to see how this one-sided approach to things, you know. And in the case of what we are talking about and about the situation in the. Purnara reception center and migration and everything in the country. We see public officials, uh, you know, they they get on TV and they spread this this rhetoric and they spread this sort of uh, xenophobic rhetoric and 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 they do it without any any reaction from journalists. You know, they do it without being challenged. They do it without, you know, the the main questions being asked. I mean, they throw in numbers and they are numbers that they are not the case. They 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 basically treat the victims which are these migrants that they come to the country for a better future uh, as, as, as the perpetrators and they refuse to, you know, look uh, to who brings these people to Cyprus, to who brings them with what promises. You know, we have, we have whole uh, sort of businesses that have been built on uh, selling fake uh, promises about uh, colleges in Cyprus that will offer them a way out. And they bring these people in the country with these fake promises. And instead of tackling the perpetrators, we are, you know, focusing on the victims of this situation. And, and we do this with our media being basically complicit and allowing the government to do this without challenging them. And, you know, it was disheartening to see that you had such a successful march on Sunday and most media did not even cover it. I mean, the, the, the TV channels did not cover it. And it is shocking if you think about it, because... It was a response. It was a clear response to the to the approach of of the government, and nobody covered it. So how can we be talking about the fourth estate, and how can we believe in our media, uh, sort of challenging the government when they refuse to basically present these opposing views? 
Well, we at least have one uh, podcast to, uh, uh, which is critical <laughs> about this. So we can say that uh, there is some hope. I think this is yet another example how Cyprus problem covers our real problems. The problem in Cyprus and everywhere in the world shouldn't be between Turkish Cypriots and Greek Cypriots. It should be between the forces of progress, human rights, the forces of our cultural understanding, And, and those who are against it. And this is the real struggle that we need to be to be carrying out to move our communities uh, to, to a better place. We should be ready to say things for what they are. And when we see racist behaviors, we should really pinpoint them because we what we experience these days is that anybody who calls these behaviors racist is basically branded as non-tolerant and we should be ready to defend these ideas and we should be ready to defend these universal values that in theory people embrace but we should defend their uh, practice and them being applied and uh, that's exactly what you just said yeah Uh, I know that you are very active in social media, especially in Twitter. And then there is this phenomenon on trolls, um, uh, you know, nationalistic Turkish, Turkish Cypriot, Greek, Greek Cypriot trolls. And uh, it is sometimes difficult to defend free speech uh, when people hide behind hate speech. How do you experience it? Well, to be honest, I am, uh, well, I'm, <laughs> as you know, I mean, I'm not in my most optimistic sort of uh, state, but I believe that we have an issue to discuss when it comes to our use of social media. And uh, I am I am a defender of free speech uh, wholeheartedly, uh, b- but we need to be ready to discuss how we use social media. And sadly, today, we basically see Facebook and Twitter being filled with lies and hatred and, uh, you know, attacks against people. And it's it's shocking. I mean, in my view, it is shocking because it is, you know, when the social media era started, there was this sort of optimism about, you know, discussing things and taking issues uh, to a public discourse and enhancing our understanding and, and uh, you know, being exposed to different views. And what we see in the end is basically people building their own bubbles and being restricted in their own bubbles, living through feeding off all those lies that are spread on social media. And they basically feed off this hatred, and it is—it is shocking. In, I, I am very disheartened to see the situation on social media, to be honest. And I believe that we have a discussion, that there is a discussion that needs to be had when it comes to how we use social media and to what it has ended, basically, which is a, a platform for hate speech and for attacking differing views and for not being able to see the nuances in our opinions. You know, it is not all black and white. We should be ready to express a different view or or some challenge to things without necessarily having to be branded as anything. Well, for me, solution is very simple. If somebody doesn't have good intentions, then just simply block. As simple as that. They can accuse you for uh, avoiding free speech and all that. No. I think in order to defend free speech, we need to defend the free speech from those who are trying to abuse it without really trying to make a point or trying to understand the other side. Yes. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus. Island Talks. Open. Diverse. Free.
17 years ago, um, we had the crossing started and uh, and then because of the virus uh, or uh, initially that was the excuse and uh, that what happened later that everybody closed down, shut down, crossing stopped. And uh, now we are trying to open it back. It is very interesting how an achievement, a progressive success once taken away from us then it is really difficult to reinstate it back. This shows how important it is to really embrace the rights, th those things that we have earned to, to be defended. Otherwise, um, this, is the, the, this is the situation we find ourselves. And um, the latest we have heard, there are discussions to, um, to, to restart it in June. Of course, in Cyprus, we always know people can find all kinds of stupid excuses not to do it. But let's say I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to have uh, crossings uh, resume in, in June. Yes, you're always hopeful, though. So we, we cannot uh, take your hopefulness for granted. Um, personally, to be honest, I'm kind of looking, uh, you know, at, at the discourse that is currently taking place in the Greek Cypriot community. And you've got the, suddenly the, the Republic of Cyprus government has suddenly realized that uh, this issue is uh, is politically used by the Turkish Cypriot coalition. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at them uttering these arguments in all seriousness, and I'm thinking, so you did not expect it? I mean, what is your political analysis? I mean, how how did you decide to close the crossing points, which no matter what, it was a political uh, decision, or at least it was a decision that affected the political uh, situation in the country, and not having expected that the Turkish Cypriot coalition that has publicly stated that they do not support the federation uh, would not have taken advantage of it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at this stage of, of listening to them and trying to understand to what extent they believe that they can fool the public. You know, I... A funny anecdote on, on, on this side. Uh, yesterday, there was a demonstration by the Turkish Cypriot workers who work in the Republic of Cyprus controlled area. And um, they were protesting in front of the Turkish Cypriot parliament. And then finally, Ersin Tatar came out and um, he was speaking to them, trying to settle them down. And somebody from the back started shouting, you should also pay attention to what Akunji <laughs> says. This guy is telling the truth. And then he got very upset, uh, Tatar, and he says, do not politicize it. I mean, this is the problem. Like... <laughs> The, you are supposed to politicize it. Politi it's because politics in our domain, in our world, is understood as something which is used to abuse, something which is used to really staying away from the truth, something to hit the other thing. In fact, politics is, is a tool that needs to bring us to, to, to forward, something that will solve our problems. And this is why his gut reaction was very funny, do not politicize it. A, a political, a very political issue indeed. Personally, I get both upset, but also, you know, I, I also laugh uh, when I hear these attempts in depoliticization of things 
everything in our lives is political. And I, especially when we have to do with an unresolved political issue and with decisions that influence an unresolved political issue, I, I think it's a joke to be discussing that this issue is not politicized. And I, you know, I, I refuse to go down that road. There was a decision that was taken. It has clearly influenced the political situation in the country. Uh, we are now, you know, in this sort of, in this spiral of, of opinions as to whose authority it is now for the crossing points to open, who closed every crossing point, who is the adamant one, who is not. And, you know, I mean, you, you get entangled into this power games in the Turkish Cypriot community ahead of the elections. But as a Greek Cypriot, you know, I, I cannot buy the rhetoric that uh, for some reason the Republic of Cyprus government is sitting and is, you know, is always forced to react to a situation that is beyond its control. No, this situation was in our control. It was in the government's control. And they took particular action that influenced things towards this direction. And anybody who could not have foreseen this is either not telling the truth or political criterion is, is problematic. I mean, let's not joke about this anymore. This is what happens when a cynical and an eternal optimist uh, do a <laughs> podcast. I think we come to the end of our time. Thank you very much yes. for listening to us. And uh, anything else, Andromahi? No, thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting mix of hope and uh, cynicism, as you said. But uh, yeah, hope it keeps you going. Look after yourselves, people. Take care. <laughs>